นโมทัสสะกวาทูอะระหะทูสัมมาสัมบุทัสสะนโมทัสสะกวาทูอะระหะทูสัมมาสัมบุทัสสะนโมทัสสะกวาทูอะระหะทูสัมมาสัมบุทัสสะพุทธังธรรมังสังฆังนมัสสะIt obviously doesn't mean that he's going to be living on the streets. Mm. What it's referring to is uh, not the physical dimension of home or homelessness, but the spiritual or the inner dimension, and mm. in the sense of. Letting go of those abidings or sources of security that we don't trust in anymore. The Buddha talked about it. It is possible to realize a safe and secure abiding sarana is the word in Pali, an abiding or. When we say Buddhang Saranangachami, Sarana is a, a refuge or an abiding, and a safe and secure abiding for followers of the Buddha's teaching is not a material place; it's not a location. It could also be understood in the sense of Identity, yeah. safe and secure identity. Yeah. Where do we normally find our identity? Where do we normally f- look for safety and security? Yeah. In the material sense, again, we look for safety and security. You know, in Possessions, for instance, things that we own. If we own enough stuff, we feel safe. Sometimes, for some people, we can make an identity out of it. I, I am 
defined by my beautiful house or my beautiful car and mm. or could also be by our body mm. in some subcultures of the society we live in you know, there are people who seek their identity their sense of security uh, in their physicality and spend a lot of time a lot of money at the gym working out mm. Or athletes, and anything happens to their body, anything happens to their body, and it's uh, devastatingly difficult, devastatingly challenging. And, and why is it so challenging? It cuts right through to the core, cuts through to the identity, cuts through to the sense of who they feel they are. And, and this has always been the case. This is not just something for. Uh, people in this age and this culture and this country it's, uh, yeah. human beings have always uh, looked for identity, looked for a sense of security in material things, in possessions in, in the body and... but what happens if our possessions get stolen or if uh, possessions get destroyed and our house gets burnt down or or if our body gets injured or if our body starts to age and I'm sure we're all familiar with how devastating uh, many people uh, find it when they they start to look old massive amount of money of course is spent on Preventing the appearance of aging because you know, for many folk it's the identity, the sense of who they are is to be found in the appearance of the body. And it's also the case, I think, for many of us, and, and at least in our Western society, uh, that we find a sense of identity in our minds, or at least in the, the content of our minds. We feel like we are our thoughts or we are our emotions this is really me I suspect that some some cultures in the world you go to and you say uh, somebody to define themselves and they, they point to their body or, or they point to their family members it's probably the case for maybe even the majority of us we, we point to our ideas, our views our opinions our, our emotional sensitivity this is what defines us. This is where we, this is what we cultivate. This is where we attempt to find uh, certainty, security, uh, a safe abiding. This is where we seek our identity. And the statement of becoming an anagarika or becoming a homeless one, uh, or for that matter, the statement of of uh, becoming a follower of the Buddha, going for refuge to the Buddha, is the willing renunciation of all of these relative abidings. Mm. The willingness to question the validity of all these uh, identities as our body, as our possessions, 
as our relationships, as our sphere of influence, as our power, as our thoughts, as our views, the willingness to look beyond, the willingness to look beyond the seeking security and identity in these conditions. Originally, in the time of the Buddha, if you wanted to become a monk, the the ordination ceremony wasn't the elaborate process that we go through these days. These days it takes 20 or 30 minutes. It was just reciting very simply, I go for refuge to the Buddha, Buddhang Saranagachami, Buddhang Saranagachami, Dhammang Saranagachami, Sankhang Saranagachami. In the beginning, that was becoming a disciple of the Buddha, a monk. But that's, of course, the form, reciting these Pali words or putting on a robe and or defining oneself as a follower of the Buddha. Yeah. If we look closer, and certainly the Buddha did want us to look beyond just the forms, mm-hmm. and over and over again on many occasions in many various ways, the Buddha encouraged mm-hmm. people who were paying attention to his teachings to not allow their seeing to fall short of actuality, of reality. The Buddha was not the person. The person of the Buddha, the body of the Buddha died. The Dhamma was not the words. The Sangha is not the robes. These are not the true abiding, they are the relative abiding, the relative refuge. These are ways of directing our attention. And what are they directing our attention towards? What the Buddha was really pointing towards was the cultivation of our hearts and minds, particularly the cultivation of mindfulness, sense restraint, wise reflection for the purpose, for the goal of realisation for insight and this is the the real refuge the real refuge is the recognition that clinging to anything is going to leave us feeling frustrated we're going to always feel limited and disappointed if we try to find a sense of security, a sense of abiding, a sense of identity in anything, any condition, any physical, mental, emotional thing whatsoever. Now this doesn't mean to say that mental, emotional and physical things are somehow wrong or we shouldn't relate to them or we shouldn't have them, but it is talking about the kind of relationship that we have with these physical, emotional, mental things. The secure abiding is in the knowing, the just knowing, the accurate knowing, the accurate awareness, sati panya, or the truth discerning awareness. That quality of awareness which sees clearly the way things are, that's the secure abiding. That's the identity 
that is safe. Mm. Now if we can see the point of letting go of habits of clinging, that doesn't mean to say that we're going to be able to actually do it immediately. But having this understanding is important. It's an important approach. All followers of all religions, including the followers of Buddhism, run the risk of actually clinging to the forms, looking at the finger pointing rather than that to which the finger was pointing. The secure abiding is not reciting the words Buddhang Saranangachami. It's not becoming an Anagarika. It's not even becoming a Buddhist. Ajahn Chah is known for rather outrageously commenting once, don't become an Arahant. It's like saying, don't become enlightened. Don't be an Arahant. Somebody asked him the comparative benefits of being an Arahant or Bodhisattva and he said if you're anything at all you're going to suffer don't be an Arahant, don't be a Bodhisattva don't be anything at all the movement towards seeking security by clinging to the idea of anything is to be seen with awareness is to be seen with a just knowing mind that's our work, that's our spiritual work, is the effort to recognize that movement of becoming anything, even becoming enlightened, even becoming wise, even becoming moral, even becoming generous, becoming honest. These ideas of virtue, these ideas of what conduces with well-being are all valid ideas, or they can be valid ideas. Mm. However, in the process of cultivating these virtues, in the process of internalizing these principles, it matters how we understand what we're doing. It matters how we view becoming an anagarika or how we view becoming a Buddhist or how we view becoming a monk or a nun. It matters how we view the Buddha's teachings. It's not just getting the goal right. It's how we relate to the goal also matters tremendously. And for many of us, the approach to the Buddha's teaching is something that is followed on after perhaps having felt we've been let down by other teachings. Mm-hmm. I've often heard people say, I don't really call myself a Buddhist. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine. And I don't think the Buddha called himself a Buddhist. The Buddha would have said that he was seeking truth, that he was in pursuit of 
reality. So it's fine to feel like I don't want to become a Buddhist. It's unfortunate if we cling to that resistance, that initial sense of I don't want to define myself as a Buddhist, if we cling to it in a way which means that we can't surrender ourselves wholeheartedly, whole-mindedly, whole-bodily into the training. Because the training does require this wholehearted surrender, not surrendering our intelligence, not surrendering our discriminative faculties, not surrendering our sensitivity, but surrendering all resistance. And therein lies a conundrum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know in my own case, I first came across Buddha's teachings and been feeling very impressed and inspired by them, but if I remember accurately, there was a pretty strong sense of, well, I don't want to become a Buddhist. I don't want to be a Buddhist. Mm-hmm. Even after having done my first meditation retreat with a Buddhist monk and, and uh, feeling the benefit of uh, discovering some uh, very uh, lovely, peaceful mind states, still very strong resistance to becoming a Buddhist. It was only when I was traveling in Thailand and came across uh, people who called themselves Buddhists, but they didn't seem to be rigid and hung up on it, and beautifully tolerant. Weren't a Buddhist, that was fine. You included as well. The bottom line there was actually... Generosity. It wasn't club membership. Mm-hmm. I remember being very inspired by the the spirit of Buddhism that was very alive when I encountered it in in Thailand, and it was sufficient to move me to thinking. Well, I can allow myself to sort of become a Buddhist, mm-hmm. but I won't really get caught up in it. So I managed to let go of my resistance to becoming a Buddhist and accepting the the functional benefit, the functional value of becoming a Buddhist. I'll do this so that I can get the real benefit. There is such a thing as functional becoming. We can play roles. We can accept roles. parent is responsible for bringing up children you you don't behave like a child you can play with the children but you don't believe that you're on the same level of consciousness as the children you need to play the role of the parent in offering security and stability and predictability that's really important for children to have that it's the role of the parent but as the children grow up and they don't need the parents to play that role anymore. Hopefully the parents have got enough agility to be able to let go of the role. They haven't totally become the role and refuse to let go of it and let their children find their own way in life. Yeah. Or becoming a teacher. Yeah. 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 You're a school teacher and 
certain role to play when you're standing in front of the class and you play that role, you put on that mask and you do that thing for the benefit of the children. But you don't talk to your husband or wife when you go home or children as if you're the teacher anymore. You take the mask off and remember who you are behind the role. Same applies to any role that we might play. There can be the functional becoming. But whether we get possessed by that or not depends on our understanding, depends on how we view it. So becoming a Buddhist, in my own case, letting go of my resistance to the label and accepting that I'm going to become a Buddhist, it was some time some way down the line before I realised that I'd forgotten that this was a functional process of becoming and there I was, a fully-fledged Theravadan forest monk disciple of the Ajahn Chah tradition thoroughly become this identity and it would show itself when that sense of identity was threatened. But in a way, this is our practice. This is how we learn. We learn by getting it wrong. So long as our practice is protected by our commitment to the precepts, we can't get it too wrong. We're not going to suffer too much. We're not going to cause too much suffering for other beings. Without the precepts, it wouldn't be safe. But so long as we've got the precepts, then we can experiment with this process of becoming. Put on the mask, play the role, become the teacher. Mm -hmm. Become whatever the situation needs us to be. And then when we realise that we forgot that this was a functional process and that we got lost in it, that's the point where we remember. And that's the point where we learn. So the like, this process of becoming a Buddhist, it's understandable that in the, in the beginning the, something like Ajahn Chah's teaching, don't become an arahant, don't become a bodhisattva, don't become anything at all. If you become anything, you're going to suffer. It's understandable that that doesn't really make sense. Because once we've given up our resistance to labels and accept it, I want to become a Buddhist. Yeah. We pick it up. But then we get lost in it. But if we keep practicing, hopefully, sooner or later, we remember. This feeling of limitation, this feeling of frustration, this feeling of dissatisfaction is not because of what's happening to me, but because of the way we're relating to life, including this process of becoming a Buddhist. And if we keep practicing, mm. hopefully eventually we do realize this secure abiding or this true identity that's on offer, that is, as the awareness itself, as the just knowing itself. Mm. From that perspective, when it is safe and secure, that means that any movement towards becoming anything can be recognised 
And once it's recognised, whether it's a movement towards becoming something or whether it's a movement of not becoming something, becoming and not becoming can can both cause us suffering if we cling to them. Whatever it is, if it's really recognisable, then there's no clinging, then there's no suffering. Now, I realise, of course, that sometimes talking like this doesn't make sense to people, and that's also all right. This teaching on becoming or not becoming and finding identity, if it doesn't make sense to us, that's perfectly all right. We can just file it away and then determine to perhaps come back and have a look at it at a later date. Mm. I thank you very much this evening for your attention. Mm.